1: Hi, this is Josh Marshall, and this is the Josh Marshall Podcast. We have a special extra edition today, and it's really a special one. Uh, We're coming off of of big news. I think think people are still trying to make sense of it. Big news last night that started, of all things, with a tweet by Michael Avenatti, Stormy Daniels' lawyer, and no one knew what to make of it. Uh, this has to do with these payments, seemingly indirectly from a Russian oligarch to Michael Cohen, also AT&T, Novartis, etc. Um, but today, to talk about that, we have uh, someone I'm a big fan of. We've been talking about his book uh, on the show and on the side. It's Seth Hatena. I got the, got the pronunciation. I've, we've only known each other by email, so yeah. I've never known the— uh, so. The book came out yesterday, right? Yes. Okay. So the book came out yesterday. It's called Trump, Russia, A Definitive History. And uh, tell us about it. How did, you, how did you come to write this book?
2: Well, I think like um, so many people, I was you know kind of stunned by the whole election. And uh, I was kind of tuning into Russia. I remember reading during the convention. Uh, I, I've been trying to track down this tweet or wherever I saw it, but it was some politician saying – you know the real story no one's talking about here is Russia, and that was at the, that was in the convention. Right. And I, you know, you hear something like that as a reporter, it it catches your catches your ear, and it kind of stuck with me. Yep. And then uh, you, you know you just keep picking up these little pieces as you go. And after the election, I really just started digging in, reading, started calling people, talking, and just picking up pieces of information and. Really, it started as
1: an effort to educate myself. And so at first, it wasn't like a book project per se. It was just that that kind of investigative reporter's natural urge to figure out what's going on. Exactly.
2: I, the way I figure things out is by writing things down. Right, right. And that's what I was doing. And it started as a website and just started just trying to explain things to myself, really. And right. If they made sense for other people, great. Um, but I, I just needed to understand it for myself. And as, as I went, I, I started picking up. I really only thought maybe maybe ten people are reading. I, I didn't know how many people were reading this thing, but it, it turned out a lot of people were. Right. And then one day, uh, an agent contacts me and says, "You know, I, I think you have a book here. I think there's there's this is important to more than just you. There's there's people who need to understand this as well."
1: So okay, so we want to talk about we want to we want to talk about the book. We wanted to talk about the information that we found out last night. Obviously, that comes after the book was published, but it fits right into the story in a lot of ways. So we're going to really quickly tell you about uh, our sponsor, and that is Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee. Calling all cold brew fans, spring has finally sprung, so it's time to switch from hot coffee to Grady's Cold Brew, the most refreshing pick-me-up around. Our famous blend uses 100% Arabica beans from Indonesia and Ethiopia, with just a hint of French chicory for the smoothest, richest, most indulgent ice coffee experience all delivered directly to your door at a fraction of what it costs from the coffee shop. Ready to give it a swirl? Get 20% off your first order at com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. I finally have my Grady's in the yeah, studio too. So we both have Grady's. <laughs> Seth, you you're, you have water. That's really old school, but that's okay. Um, so, okay. So we have, and uh, David Tainter, my, my hey co-host there. here. Uh, okay, so let's dig right into this. So the the... In the in the news that came out yesterday, and even though at first it was kind of just on Michael Avenatti's say so, it's pretty much all been confirmed now in its essentials. So there's the stuff about U.S. or multinational, you know, legitimate multinational corporations paying him money, but that is at most sort of garden variety, you know, political corruption if it's corrupt. The big thing is a half a million dollars from. Indirectly, it doesn't seem that indirect, by from a guy named Victor uh, Vekelsberg who's a big uh, uh, oligarch in Russia. So, Seth, tell us about this and tell us how this seems to fit in to what is the sort of the spine of your book, which is this decades-long and expanding relationship between Donald Trump, people in Donald Trump's orbit. And all sorts of oligarchs and organized crime figures in Russia and other states from the former Soviet Union.
2: Right. So Vexelberg, um, as I understand it, he is a, as you said, a Russian oligarch. He's close to Putin, is my, is my understanding. He, uh, he's on the sanctions list, I believe.
1: Yes, and, and I think doubly. I think on the on the one, I, I think on the the sort of the 2004 era one, but also. They upped it on. I didn't him know about the, the new one. I, I know the more recent one. I, yeah, I, I could be wrong. Maybe he's just general. Well, anyway, let's.
2: Yeah. And you know, there's just interesting things about him. He was at the infamous dinner where Michael Flynn uh, was invited to the RT 10th anniversary banquet there with with Jill Stein, I think, as well. Right. Right. And um, <laughs> you know, and he's close to Putin, and. You know, we don't know what this money is about. I think the 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 explanation the company gave was that it was for real estate investment investment advice yeah. from Michael Cohen, right? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, so for all the all the attorneys in New York who understand Manhattan real estate, you know, so I, this is apparently, I, I it's a stretch. It's it's a stretch. This yeah. is some kind of pay for play yeah. arrangement going on here. Um, but you know, what's interesting to me is that you know Cohen. It's Cohen. Is Cohen is you know it's not so much the oligarch, but it's Cohen's role in this, right? And right. that's the that's what I found in my book that that was the role that he's been playing for a long time in
1: Trump's world, as as sort of the conduit for money either from the emigre community from Ukraine and Russia or directly from those countries. So right. how does that work? What is that? Because we've talked about that a lot on TPM, talked about it a lot on the podcast. That he's a money channel. So what does that mean? How does that work?
2: Well, so. My approach to this whole book has been, um, you know, it's so confusing what's happening, and, and people have a, tr- a hard time following this story. But when you go back and you look at the history, and, and that's kind of what this book is really the first to do, is to look at the history. Th- things are a little more clear. That patterns emerge, and they don't change. Mm-hmm. So Cohen is—he uh, comes out of a family where his uncle owns a uh, a catering hall in, right. in Brighton Beach, here in Brooklyn. That catering hall was the headquarters, unofficial headquarters of the Russian mafia. They had it, literally had an literally office. Literally an office, right. <laughs> an office where they had files and papers yep, and yep, phones. Yep, yep. And that went on for years. And, and this is two
1: successive bosses. Yeah, two or three. Even. Or, yeah, there's the new guy. The, uh, who's ne- the guy who just wants to go back to Russia ne- now? Neyfeld or Right? Yeah. Right, right. yeah with, the, with the big tattoos. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: Yeah, he's quite – they're all these amazing characters. And that's why it's been so much fun to write this book because the characters are just – they just pop out of the page. But um, So, you know, he had a – the interesting thing to me is he had a share in this business. And he gave up that share when Donald Trump was elected. Now, now why would owning a catering club uh, share be a conflict with the presidency of the United States,
1: right? That's always struck me because in all of the stories about this, it's just sort of said he gave up his share – but it is sort of like, why, why was, I mean, it's kind of obvious why it's so necessary. It's a mob hangout or was a mob hangout, right. but they almost kind of give the lie to it. Okay. So, so the uncle, the well, and, catering and, hall. And
2: I'm sure you saw that New York Times story on Sunday. They, they found out things I didn't know that the, that the uh, uncle was a doctor for these Italian American
1: mobsters. So, you know, that, that, Let me ask you this. When I re- I saw that too. And my, my impression there was what they're saying is kind of like, you know, uh, you know, Paulie gets, gets, gets shot in the leg and he can't go to the hospital that this guy, I mean, I didn't understand. Cause they said like in, it was in furtherance of their like crimes in some way. I didn't understand what that could mean, except your, you know, providing medical services that, that mobsters can't get. Wow. I mean, that's,
2: I, you know, I, I, I don't know the answer to that. I mean, that's a fascinating, <laughs> that's a yeah, fascinating I, line to go down, but you know, I, I, you know, the, the, from the little that, that I understand about the mob, the Italian American, I, I dug more into the Russian mob. But there, there's a big thing about loyalty. That if you help somebody out, somebody out in the in the mafia community, you're you're in, and they're they're very much about loyalty. If he helps somebody out, he's going to get other referrals. He's going to get other patients, and, mm-hmm. and, and I think it's it may be more innocuous.
1: Yeah, that, okay, that's possible. I may I you know, may have misinterpreted
2: but, it. But you know, it's that's just one, and if that was one connection okay, maybe that would be one thing. But Cohen has another connection that's also even even more interesting to me. And that's through, his, he married into this Ukrainian family. And his father-in-law is kind of one of these un, unexplored characters in this whole drama. His name is Fima Schusterman. And I think he's a name we're going to be hearing more and more about. But he is a, he has a, he came from Ukraine. He, he, uh, he had a daughter and Cohen, you know, dated her and then married her. And he uh, was in the garment business, in the cab business, and he has a uh, money laundering related conviction in the 90s. And it was after the 90s, you know, can I just back up a second? Yep. So what's interesting about this to me is is when I was reporting this story, I, w- I wasn't going to put Cohen in the book. Bu- I didn't even know how to get Cohen in the book. Right.
1: And I was was, that problem kind of solved itself, I guess. Well,
2: I'm sure you've had. I'm sure you've had this as a reporter, where you you get into one of these stories where people are just literally almost seem to be sitting there waiting for the phone to ring because they have a story to tell. Yeah. You know, usually you're you're like blood from a stone half the time, but sometimes you hit something and it's and it's oh you should talk to this person and that was one. This was one of these cases. I was I was digging into the Russian mafia, you you know, and I kept getting deeper and deeper, and I kept getting referred and referred, and, and and finally I hit a source who said. Uh, you know, hang on a second. You know, Michael Cohen, you, I have information, literally the words were, I have information for you about Michael Cohen. And, I, you know, and I, how is he connected to this? And, and so it was through this father-in-law, Fema Schusterman, that Schusterman w- was explained to me uh, through this federal source was a conduit of money. From Russia and Ukraine into Trump's businesses before Trump even joined, before
1: Cohen joined the Trump organization. So let me okay. So basically, you're you're researching the Russian mob in in the context of Trump. Michael Cohen, maybe you know his name, but he's not really on your radar. You are talking to some federal, I assume, law enforcement source exactly. kind of and 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 he says, "Hey, Michael Cohen's the guy," and that's when you learn what we're talking about right. now. Right. Okay? Right.
2: Right. And and if I can back up even, yep. I yep. mean,
1: this gets this gets really deep. We're we're ready to go deep but, in the weeds here. But
2: a podcast is a good place yeah, to Yeah, absolutely, about this
1: absolutely. Stuff.
2: So, you know, the, the federal sources, there, there was this group in, in New York in the 90s called Red Star. It was kind of an informal group of investigators. There was New York police, there was State Department, there was IRS and FBI, and probably somebody else I'm forgetting. And they would, they're informal, they were investigating the Russian mafia, and they would share information. And it was well known among this group that Schusterman was investing in, in, in Trump's businesses and that's where this information so really
1: this is 90s from. era 90s exactly so long before that kind of buying spree of trump uh, apartment units that got written up in the new york exactly. post and stuff like that but okay. i think it's okay. a relationship
2: that's continued and evolved over time okay and i think that's what i'm trying to get more into and i think we'll be learning more about as we go
1: now let me ask you okay so so he's does that mean he was invest like a a, an investor in Trump projects or he's buying units. Do we have a sense of that?
2: It's not clear. I don't think it's limited to buying units. I I think he was a silent partner is the way he was explained to me. That that he that it was more it was more an investment in the I guess in the development end than than on the property.
1: I mean he did You work both ends obviously. He works and Schusterman
2: did does own multiple units in Trump buildings.
1: Right, right. Um
2: but uh so this is just to come back to what I was what I was touching on earlier. This is also really interesting. So this group Red Star that was investigating the Russian mafia they had Russian informants, and these are this is a fast this is where it gets really interesting because these people uh, some of them are KGB and there's a network of this of these people who share information and collect information and they were feeding it to this Red Star group. Okay. And if that sounds familiar, it's because it's the same, it may be, I don't know if it's the same people, but right. there are similar networks that were tapped by Christopher Steele yep. 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 to get information. And and there's, they, they these people collect information. And so Trump has been on this radar for a long time, you know? Right. And, right. and I think... Th- that's that's the interesting thing to me about this is, is I think when we look at Cohen and what he's doing and this essential – I mean, this essential consultants is going to be a big story. And, mm-hmm. You know, he's got to explain why there's foreign money in there. He's got to explain all kinds of
1: things. But I think we're really only scratching the surface. Am I, am I right – and this is sort of a side note – but am I right that with Cohen – I mean, you and I both know he is a, a – He's a much bigger guy than just the kind of, you know, uh, Trump's punk lawyer who went on TV in 2016. But the essential consultants thing shows that on the one hand, moving lots of money, a big deal. And yet there's this kind of like deep sloppiness that kind of like, man, set up a new LLC for the for the money from from you know for maybe one llc for the us corporate money another llc for the russian money and and one just for for you know pornographic film actresses or something i mean that's not even like a necessary part of the crime as it were right well it's look, just strange
2: look i you know trump didn't hire cohen because he went to harvard law school and clerked for supreme court justice and and made law review you okay
1: know? so tell us this how did because this this ties up to schusterman how did he hire why did he hire michael cohen
2: well you know i i've gotten slightly different versions the the the, in, it was an introduction – so it it was an introduction was made by Schusterman to Trump. And that's how he got into Trump's – that's how he came to Trump's attention was through the father-in-law, Okay, through this kind of conduit of money. That's, been, right. that's still going on. Right, right, right. Um, and you know, and, and, it, and it, it's going on like now. It, it, so to back to your point about why didn't they cover their tracks a little better – I don't
1: think these are the brightest people in the world here. Well, it, you know? but doesn't doesn't it also show, and this is kind of a sidelight of this whole story, that there's a lot of crime going on that never gets caught unless your boss becomes president, mm. right? Yeah. I mean, there's, I mean, the the amount of like money laundering and and mafia scams going on in New York City is just you know everybody talks about oh you know Rudy shut down the mob back in the '90s. Well, maybe like the five families got kind of upended. But just so much of this, none of this ever would have been found out. Yeah, if Trump wouldn't wasn't elected president. I sometimes think that being
2: president may be the worst thing that ever happened to Trump because all this stuff is going to come it's out. Certainly,
1: the worst thing that happened to Michael Cohen. <laughs> There's no question about yeah. that. Yeah, I mean, this is this is not going to stop. And so, okay, so let's so in the book, so you just said that that uh, Trump meets Cohen on the introduction of Cohen's father-in-law, Fima Schusterman. Right. In the book, it's sort of alluded to that maybe it's like a favor. That Schuster meant. I guess that's what you're saying. There's kind of yeah, v- varying that, accounts that, of it.
2: That, I've heard the favor. I've heard the introduction. Um, you know, the, 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 w- my source that I quoted said it was a favor.
1: Right. W-
2: whatever it was, it was an introduction that was made. It, it may not have been a quid pro
1: quo, but that's yeah, how, that was the average. Not necessarily contradictory stories. Right. Kind of like here's you know right.
2: My, well, you know how it is when you're reporting. You get yeah yeah totally different totally versions. totally yeah. And
1: well, also can be like you know here's my here's my reject son-in-law. He's down in his luck.
2: Well, but, I, you
1: know, I thought about that. The mafia when, rackets aren't doing well.
2: When you saw Mackie Haberman's story saying that, uh, you know, that uh, Trump always bagged on Cohen, was mean to him. And part of me wondered if he resented being stuck with, you know, this kind of lawyer who's, as you're saying, not the not so good at. So, you know, to, to your point about essential consultants, this thing's a Delaware. Delaware. <laughs> it's not hard to hide a company in Delaware, but he registers it under his own name, you know you, you you didn't need to do that there's a corporation agent who will register it for right. you and and, right. and and then there then he's not connected to it unless you have you know a subpoena or or, well, and, or and, and, fbi warrant
1: and also what it seems like is all of these we know that he also has or this arrangement you know this this hush deal for Elliot Broidy that he also used uh, essential consultants for so when the stormy daniels thing comes out and essential consultants has written about in the wall street journal clearly him and elliot are like whoa 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 okay let's let's read i mean just not necessary right but so okay let's go back to schusterman because it sounds like your sources maybe they didn't know specifics but their impression was that uh schusterman somehow or another was bringing money into the trump operation right that was a basis of a relationship that goes back into the 90s right uh Cohen is hired as part of that relationship in right. some sense. Exactly. So when when we're talking about th- this what scale of money do we think we're talking about and when we and, and Schusterman I think is a US citizen, naturalized US citizen. Yes, he is. So where do we think that money comes from? That that's what I'm trying to get to is is who's on the other
2: side of the ocean there and uh, I think it's I think it's I think it's criminal money. Um, and here's here's another interesting thing that's just come up recently, and it's kind of illustrates how this whole system works. So Schusterman and uh, Cohen, I think, both lent money. There's a guy in Chicago named Semyon S- 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 Steiner.
1: Steiner. And uh, he, he, oh, wait, can I interject something? Yeah. The businesses in Chicago. Right. But I think the Steiners live in Forest Hills. Forest Hills and in Florida. They also have, oh, okay. they have, there are Sunny Isles Beach people as well. Oh, okay. Uh, but okay, that because that was a key thing to me that, that they don't seem to be Chicago people except for their business.
2: Right. Well, I think there's some sons there okay. who, are, who are running the business. But okay. Stainer's a little bit older. Got it. Got it. But anyway, Steiner is part of this uh, taxi network uh, and he's a taxi, he runs a big taxi company in Chicago and he runs taxis for Michael Cohen. Now, Schusterman. And in, in, this is all within the recent few months. Schusterman has lent this guy $20 million. Uh, their, their mortgages, they're basically loans, to, to, for, and they're backed by his properties in, in, I think, somewhere in New York and somewhere in, I think somewhere in Florida as well. That money, uh, you know, this is an A to B, B to C thing. But at the same time, Steiner, this friend of Cohen and Schusterman, is opening a huge medical marijuana production facility in Henderson, <laughs> Nevada. And, and you're, you know, I've looked at the plans for this thing. This is like a 30,000-square-foot facility. Okay. This is not a small so, okay, operation.
1: You, you seem to, you, so you know more about this and I think is at least than I have seen in print because all I think we saw, there was a Associated Press piece that basically said that he was – he was, you know, register doing these things. You need to register to go into the legal marijuana business, right? But you, you found out a lot, a lot more. It sounds like about yeah. what what that business is.
2: Yeah, he's he's got a he's got a permit or a conditional permit. I can't remember the exact term now. But he's got some kind of permit for cultivation and distribution. I, I think, but the cultivation is the really interesting one because that's he's growing yep. pot, and he's rented this industrial space. 30, I mean, thirty thousand square feet. That's a big space, and and he's got you know uh, there are millions of dollars in, in lights in there and. Uh you know, water. It's a big operation. It has to be manned. You know, twenty four hours. is that hours. is
1: that just on paper, or this place is already kind of like in no they've progress? Take, they've taken the lease out. Okay. And
2: I've seen liens for const- you know. There's, okay. Uh,
1: so it's happening.
2: Yeah. There's an, okay. there's electricians who didn't get paid and then got paid. So so, so <laughs> something's people get...
1: are already being shortchanged.
2: <laughs> <laughs> but you know, it's it's a major oper- operation, and and you know, he says, yeah, I want to get out of the taxi business and get into the marijuana business, and but Probably so, a smart move. It, well, it, yeah, but you know what's interesting about it <clears throat> is, to you know, marijuana is a weird uh, and kind of in between gray area. It's legal in states, not le- obviously not legal in the federal system. So that means you can't use banks. Banks will not accept money from a marijuana distribution operation. So if I'm if I have money that I need to be moving around, you know, a good investment. Someone who's not going to be putting it in a bank and setting off uh, suspicious activity reports right, right. as a marijuana operation.
1: Interesting. Okay, so now here, let me ask you a question because when I when when the the stuff about the Stainer family, uh, a lot of that has has come up in the aftermath of the raids on Cohen's houses and offices and whatever about a month ago. Um, when. When I first saw the accounts of those loans, I th- and I think it was in the Chicago Sun Times, I thought what it said was that there, basically, there were there were disclosure documents for loans of at least twenty million dollars and possibly as much as forty million dollars, and I think they went with, or at least this was my understanding, that they as Makes sense, you go with the low end because that's what you're, you know, you're sure it's at least 20 million dollars. Is it possible that it's actually more than that? It's totally possible. I I just went
2: through if if you go into the Cook County Register of Deeds or whatever, and you type in FEMA Schusterman, you get, you know, you get 20 million dollars worth of loans. They all come okay, so you know, if you're in Chicago, 20
1: million, 40 million, it's all it's big money, (laughs) but (laughs) yeah, big money either way,
2: and you know it's you know th- so this is an idea of the of the scale of money that's moving around right uh, and this is just one marijuana operation this is I
1: think this has been going on for for decades well it's it's, it's certainly okay so that's maybe the explanation because on on its face since if you don't put the marijuana operation into the mix it seems like they're pouring money into a dying business in a dying industry so why but but the marijuana thing then it then it make sense so okay so so it seems oh, well, yeah, can go I ahead? One yeah absolutely more, one more thing. absolutely
2: so uh, t- to get a marijuana permit you can't have a felony record fema schusterman has a felony record all these other guys have felony records uh michael cohen doesn't want his name anywhere near on this thing but uh, you know uh S- sam sam steiner is like a perfect frontman because he's the one of the one of the oh he's ones. the
1: only one who's never gotten clipped <laughs> <laughs> right? okay got it got it got it All right. That's interesting. So wait, what was, what was I going to, okay. So you have um, the, the thing that struck me about those loans is, you know, it's one thing if someone is, is worth 20 or $40 million. It's another thing that they're like, you know, personal loans of that scale, seemingly as kind of just one venture. That's big, big money. I mean, that gets into the scale of money where, I mean, I think in the the post office project with the Trump's post office project, you know, the new hotel down in D.C., I think his person or the company's in cash investment was only like 50 or 60 million dollars. Right. I mean, big, big money. Right. And we we And we don't really know where it's from. We kind of assume in the nature of the thing that it's dirty money, not money that can be like legitimately sent around, but that's kind of all we know.
2: Right. And I think you, I'm sure you saw that Washington Post story by uh, David Ferentold where he starts uh, around 2006. There's all this cash money coming into the Trump organization, and they and you know, whereas before they were borrowing to for their investments, all of a sudden, and 2006 is an interesting time frame. It's when Michael Cohen joins the Trump organization. You know, there, there's and and you know, you have these comments from Eric Trump, like, "Oh yeah, we have Russians who love golf, and they'll just pay for any golf course." and And these these are these golf courses in Scotland that he's built that are money losers, but he's funneling money into there. So you know there is there is this system that appears to be in place where money is being funneled in. Po- quite possibly from Russia, you know, through Cohen and Schusterman into the, you know, into the Trump organization. It, and, you know, we we need, we, you know, that's what it appears to be. We need more reporting to flesh that picture out. But that's that's
1: where I'm headed with this story. And I, I think that's the next place to go. Now, isn't also in 2006, 2006 is when they started this the Trump Soho project, right. which um, seemed, I mean, that's another sort of black hole about where, the, but, but you have the, um, you have Bayrock and Felix Sater who are major, major participants in that you've got the uh the tamir uh, tamir sapir right he's and, he's uh, involved tafiq arif right all all the all these different they're that that are all seemingly bringing money from the for some somewhere in the former soviet union you've even got there's that lawsuit where uh one of the participants talks about 50 million dollars just sort of showing up from Kazakhstan one right. day I mean really right. kind of so that's all in the, in the in the time frame so is there anything more so we know okay so Michael Cohen comes to work for Trump in 2006 the Trump Soho project starts in 2006 but Cohen that seems to be an outgrowth of the relationship with Schusterman right is there anything else like how what do we make of 2006 what's the big picture what's happening there that you have this switch um I just think I just think
2: it was opportunistic. I don't know if it's um, it was a plot. I think it just evolved over time that uh, these rela- pick up momentum, these and, relationships yeah. develop and they become more dependable and consistent. And you know, Trump is coming out of the 1990s, which, which is a terrible era for him and all his bankruptcies, and he's seen as kind of a you know a joke and a like a laughingstock. Yep. And Trump Soho was kind of his, and Trump, you know, the the UN also, you know, those were kind of his his comeback. His comeback. Exactly. And, um, and, you know, he, he wants to be loved and be seen as a big shot. And, you know, I think he saw that, you know, he could take this further, like let's grow the business. Let's make it bigger. Let's, let's go bigger. Let's get bigger. And, you know, that's, I think it just developed over time. I I, I don't know if it was like something triggered it. Like there was a event. There may be, but I, I think these things kind of just evolve over time. That's, that's my take
1: on it. So it, it, it um, If we if we, if we we look at this, uh, the, the thing that comes out to me about this is that, you know, people have barely heard about FEMA Schusterman yet. I mean, he's in the news a little bit now. But it certainly sounds like, you know, Donald Trump doesn't remember anybody who gets in trouble. But it certainly sounds like Donald Trump has known FEMA Schusterman for a long time. And that relationship goes back a few decades. Seemingly, lots of money has, has come through that channel. So... What is if you're clearly doing more reporting on this? Lots of people are looking into it. What do we need to find out? What do we not know that we that we need to find out on this specifically on this kind of money channel coming into the Trump world?
2: Right. Well, if I if I could, uh, you know, would, the next story I'd love to write to answer your question that way would be who's on the other side? Who's behind Schusterman? Where is this money coming from? Because Schusterman is not. It, he had he had a few taxi medallions and a garment business, and this is not twenty million dollars worth of marijuana investments. It's, it's not from him. So I was
1: actually surprised when it said, "I'm not sure if it was in your book or somewhere where it said nine medallions." And when I, when I'd heard all all of that, he got Cohen started, and and he's making all these loans. I'm figuring like. Hundred medallions, like right. nine. That's like, really? I, th- I thought it was four, but I, maybe I it's can... even, maybe it's even, it's certainly the ones that I counted. It's four. certainly not enough to make sense of the, the scale of exactly. cash that he has exactly. access to.
2: Um, so I, I, we don't know a lot. There's a lot we don't know. We don't know, but I think this gets to, you know, this gets to the heart of the matter. That I think, you know, that's why it's so important to look, go back to the history of this thing because these relationships are not new. You know, Trump has didn't – all of a sudden, Russia didn't find him when he came down the golden escalator and said, hey, you know, we got a deal for you. This has been going on a long time. And and I think when we start understanding who was behind Schusterman, which I, I – you know, I, I that's the next place I'd like to go. Uh, I think we'll understand uh, – get a deeper picture. And I, I I think there are organized crime connections throughout this world. But But another point to make to this is that – you know this, this whole idea of Michael Cohen flipping, or was he going to flip? Is he not going to flip? If this goes back, and it involves his father-in-law, I mean, they're tied, they're tied together. You know, they're they they've got both stones around their ankles, and they're they're tied together right. to this whole thing. Right. You know, so I don't see Cohen flipping just because it's his family. I mean, right. it's, it's, so it's, it's ev- not
1: even so much betraying Donald Trump. It's it's literally it's turning whole, on his whole family. Whole life, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's yeah. everything. Yeah.
2: So, I mean. Look, the federal government can put unbelievable pressure on people, and
1: I'll never say never, but that's that's a lot to overcome. So, uh, one other one other person I want to ask you about Simon Garber. So he is another another taxi baron, uh, a big player. I mean, my sense is he's you know he he has like a horse farm out in New Jersey now, so he's sort of gone you know gone upper crust and legit, but comes out of this uh, Ukraine immigrant taxi world. Um, was in was a partner of uh, Michael Cohen in the taxi business for a number of years. They had a falling out. Uh, Cohen hooked up with the, this uh, Gene Friedman guy, who's another baron. Right. Um, it has certainly been my impression, so how to phrase this, that Garber is another person who seems to have access to vast sums of money. Right. For not. Entirely clear reasons.
2: So here, here's another this for any reporter out there listening. To this here's here, uh, you know, here's here's a story that hasn't gotten covered very much. Garber started a uh, taxi company in Moscow in the 1990s. Now there was there was no way you got into that business without organized crime. There was organized crime before the Soviet Union fell in the taxi business. And, you know, you would have to, like, kill a whole boatload of Chechens to get into the taxi <laughs> business to, without, you know, having somebody behind you. Right, right. So, you know, th- there's just no there, – that is a huge red flag right there for anybody who understands Moscow in the 1990s. Right. That he is – he had some kind of connection. Now, the, the other thing I've heard um, – and, you know, I didn't get there too deep into Moscow, Michael Cohen's taxi business in the book because it, it gets a little far afield. But there were, there were three – Partners, uh, it was it was Schusterman, Cohen's father in law, and there were two others, a guy named Shava Boitier, I'm not sure how you say it, and, and um Edward Zubach. And my understanding is Zubach is still in business with Garber. And Zubach was was Garber's mentor. And th- there there's a relationship there as well that, that Zubach brought Garber into this whole world. Okay. Just as Schusterman brought Cohen
1: into this whole world. Right. It's familial. Now give us a so Schusterman, what in his seventies? Like more or less when that, he came that, here. No, no, no. Like now. Like he's still alive, right? Yeah, yeah. But I mean, that kind of heir, Someone yeah. is seven, is something like yeah. that, right? He okay. came here in seventy-five.
2: Um, I forget. I forget when he was born, but
1: I would say yeah, more or less yeah. in that kind of generational yeah. right. So, since Cohen is fifty-two or very early fifties, something like right. something like that. Okay, tell us about the book. We kind of we sort of have the context here and all the things we've talked about. I re- I mean. I read no current affairs books ever. I read this one; I loved it. It, it, all sorts of things. I, I mean, I'm really deep in this story, and there was like a lot of different things I learned. It goes all the way back to the 1980s in the in the true Soviet era right. uh, when the kind of early cultivation um, brought together a lot of different threads that I knew about but hadn't understood the you know the connections and just lots of new facts. That's my take on this book. Tell us about the book. Thank you.
2: Well. Yeah. So, you know, as we started out talking, I, I, I wanted to understand this for myself. And um, I thought the whole thing that what's missing from this whole story is history. That And it's, you know, as you know, this is an impossible story to cover because you're pulled in a million different directions. You know, Michael Avenatti dropped something one day <laughs> and tomorrow it, we could be, you know, back in 2016 with something else or a hacking revelation. You know, right, so right, there's right. a million different pieces to this story. So. You know, I, I wanted to write um, just to just to help people understand it—a history—and this is kind of the first history that that takes you that you know takes you through the whole narrative of Trump's ties to Russia that go way back. And second, I you know I think it's important for people to understand uh, Trump is a you know. It's been obvious from our conversation, but I th- I can't stress it enough. Trump is a mob-friendly businessman who is now the president of the United <laughs> States, and it, you know that's problematic. Why, why that isn't you know <laughs> right. on the front page of every newspaper every day? Right, right, right. Uh, but yeah, it is a little problematic. And uh, you know he's and you know when you look at the history, when you, when you look at Trump, you see that he's been he's been rubbing elbows with with Russian criminals for for decades in in Trump Tower, in his casinos in Atlantic City. In Trump Soho, as we've talked about, and it just it didn't it never ended.
1: Now, tell me if this is let me let me try to do kind of a thumbnail of this progression. Tell me if I have it basically right. So in the eighties, uh, you know Trump's said you know uh, building buildings. Probably it's fair to say that anybody building buildings in that area at least had to be couldn't keep the 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 you know uh, Italian mob that far afield or some whatever. Uh, Soviet era politicians sort of try to ingratiate themselves with him. They invite him to Moscow. Uh, a little later, th- this is when um, the Russian organized eighties, cr- nineties Russian organized crimes kind of building up, mm-hmm. and in with his casinos. Casinos are a good place to kind of launder money through. There's kind of connections that 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 grow up there, and it also this comes up again and again in the book that Trump Tower like if you're a russian criminal come on over it's totally like just an open door and all sorts of these bizarre criminal activities are going on there yeah and then so and then it kind of you know gets up to the stuff that a lot of us are familiar with in the early aughts. Is that, is that some sense of the progression? I Absol- mean, I'm leaving out a million details. No, but.
2: absolutely. That, that Trump Tower was uh, where, where that, that's where the connection started. You know, Trump Tower was one, uh, and it te- this, this reveals you something about Trump, that Trump was uh, the Tower was one of, I think, two buildings in New York that accepted anonymous buyers. So <laughs> you had, you know, Johnny Carson and other celebrities living there. And then you had this whole criminal element that was also buying into Trump Tower. And that's the way Trump's done business. You know, he is he's before, you know, you could, you could almost look at it this way, that he, he graduated to the Russian Mafia because before that he was with the Italian American Mafia. Roy Cohen, his attorney, was a mob lawyer and uh, Roy Cohen introduced him to Fat Tony Salerno who ran a construction company, um, a, c- a concrete company that poured the concrete into Trump Tower. So when you know the concrete workers called Are there a, any people in that concrete? I guess I'm not sure <laughs> we know. I hope not.
1: Maybe. Yeah, who knows? Okay.
2: Maybe Jimmy Hoffa's—
1: is Right, could, be, could uh, be.
2: so you know, you know, when 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 they called a strike and I think it was the summer eighty-two or something like that, the the only buildings that were exempted from that strike were Trump Trump properties. So, you know, I think he learned early on there's a competitive advantage to doing business with these people. As long as you have a Roy Cohen or a Michael Cohen or somebody who can keep it at arm's length, right? And right. that's the way he's done business. And again, you know, this is a—I uh, <laughs> can't stress this enough. This is a mob-friendly businessman who's now the president of the United States. And you know, so it was—it was in Trump Tower, though, when he when he opened his door to just about anybody, and everybody came. You right. know, and he—you know—what was interesting to me that there's this. There were this has been reported that you know. Uh, Wayne Barrett had this story that that there was a Russian uh, criminal who was laundering. He was in this sophisticated gas tax scam. And if I can just do a little parenthetical here about Russian criminals, absolutely. So there, there's a there, you know, Italian American mobsters. You know, they're very much about honor and loyalty, but they're not they're not the brightest people, and they're <laughs> basically just hoodlums and, right, and right, thugs. Right, right, right. And they they use intimidation and 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 that's their control. The Russian criminals, however, these people have graduate degrees.
1: They're well educated. So it's sort of like a total quality mafia sort of thing. It's operating at a higher level.
2: It's it's like a good businessman who just just breaks the law, right? You know? Okay. Like a smart businessman who's like going to make money. Look, if you come out of a communist system where your your whole life is spent trying to, you know, maybe evade
1: the law evade, or evade right,
2: you know, scratch a little extra, you know, out of the state, you you get really you get really good at figuring out all the loopholes, and, and so. These Russian criminals, the ones who bought in Trump Tower, they came here and right away they set up this incredibly complex gas tax scam that was generating millions of dollars. And uh, they they teamed up with the Italian uh, American mafia because they needed protection, and they had a partnership. And they had so much money, they didn't know what to do with it all. And you know that that part had sort of been known, but what I found out and. T- is that I-, I always thought they had come to trump and said you know we'd like to buy some apartments trump came to them trump found them right you know that uh, which <laughs> tells you like, he's he's in this got world. his feelers
1: out knows yeah. where the money is
2: he wants to meet these kinds of people and um and he got them to invest in trump tower and so they they spent six million but almost six million bucks bought five apartments you know what one person needs five Trump Tower apartments. Is
1: this the one where from the book that like literally he was there for the signing? Yes, exactly. Which n- n- developer right. the, of the property is not normally there right. for like the you know, for the signing of right. the documents. It's usually like robo-signed. Yeah. yeah, So yeah, he's, yeah. he's
2: like, oh, it's great job. Nice to meet you. But you know, he you bring these and there's all these just comical stories. So the, the, there were two kind of main Russian criminals. They get busted for this gas tax scam. One of them winds up serving his home detention in Trump Tower. And while he's serving his home detention at Trump Tower, the he starts the FBI is looking at this gas tax scam. Like you know, we're gonna, we're going to hit you with federal charges. He'd plead guilty guilty to state charges, and the federal charges would have been ten years, to whatever. Yeah. So he starts talking to the FBI, and the Italian American Mafia hears about this, and you know, the penalty for talking to the FBI is death, right? So they they set up to you know assassinate this guy outside of Trump Tower. But you know, to go back to like, they're such bumbling idiots that they, uh, they, they, <laughs> this is one of the
1: guy falls asleep. Right, oh, no, right, right. 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 So can I tell this story? Yeah,
2: yeah, absolutely. So uh, I love this story. Yeah, no, I, it's great. So, you know, and I had to put this story in quotes. An FBI agent told me the story, but I'm like, I better put this in quotes because it sounds so unbelievable that, you know, I have to quote this guy literally. <laughs> right. So they, they set up this, this, this guy's name is Michael Markowitz. He drove a Rolls Royce and Trump Tower doesn't have a parking garage, but he would leave the building and go. I think when he was serving him, he may have been done with his home detention at this point. But he was walking to his Rolls Royce. So their their they're brilliant plan is they're going to get there. And as he's walking, they're going to shoot him. So they get there the first day, and he's already gone. You know, so, all right, he's obviously an early riser. We're going to come back and try again. So they come back, and they get there really early, like too early. And so they are waiting and waiting and waiting. And they and then they all of a sudden they wake up, and they realize, you know, oh, we fall asleep, <laughs> and the Rolls Royce is gone again, right, so then they come back the third time, you know, and this time they they've got to figure it figured out, so we're going to take turns sleeping, you wake me up, I'll wake you up, and we'll get him this time. And so there were two people in the car and one of them went into the witness protection program, which is how the FBI learned about all this. <laughs> and and um, the other one was a guy named, uh, you can't make up a name like this, was Frankie the Bug, they call him, Frankie the Bug Sortino. And he was like a little like Joe Pesci type character and right. that felt like a really super violent, angry, but, you know, kind of frightening individual. Right. So they're waiting to kill Markowitz as he walks out of Trump Tower and, um, you know, they, they take turns sleeping and. I don't know who's turned – and then it's it's Frankie the Bug's turn to go to sleep and this other guy is sitting there and sitting there and he sees this bagel sign flashing in the window <laughs> and he's sitting there and the bagel sign keeps flashing and uh, he's you he can you know he's got to go get a bagel he goes out and gets a bagel and when he comes back the car's gone and they've blown it again you know so No
1: one no one knew murder for hire was so
2: hard <laughs> right it takes a little patience, I think, and uh, yeah. yeah, maybe some no do's too.
0: Can I ask you guys a question just to bring it back to what we learned last night about, you know, the the payments to Michael Cohen's LLC, Josh? You wrote, if you have experience covering political scandals and corruption, it's hard not to see a bunch of people going to prison. Seth, obviously, you've covered a lot of political corruption yourself. Tell me just more about that. Like, who are you talking about? Besides, I mean, maybe Cohen is the obvious one.
1: Ah, uh, God, I mean you know the story that that Seth wrote a book about the Duke Cunningham scandal the Abramoff scandal just so many scandals when you have when you find out there is big money going through circuitous routes and shell companies and fronts to get political access you like we don't like based on what we found out last night there's nothing I can point to that I would say hundred percent that is a crime that you can go to prison for but you have political influence you have obvious efforts to hide what's going on stuff like that happens you end up committing multiple crimes that's just how how it works and there's lots of laws that federal prosecutors can pull in that that are crimes it's it's just kind of a, a, a gut sense. People don't walk away from these kinds of of rackets. Basically, right. is how I put
2: it. I, I totally agree with that. And just to make it even more specific, like, you know, this is not Michael Cohen's not not the criminal mastermind here. This hundred and thirty thousand dollar payment. So, okay, let's say if it's a campaign contribution, there, there's you know potentially criminal potentially criminal contra- you know campaign contribution charges. If it's not, you know, there's gift. It's a is it a gift? And it, is there a gift tax? Did he, you know, th- there's, there's that. There's too. all sorts
1: of stuff taxes trip you up on.
2: And you know, Avenatti, you know, Stormy Daniels' attorney pointed out yesterday that he filled out, you know, having it here. I have it here in front of me. He filled out. He says, you know, our clients are typically U.S.-based, high-net-worth individuals. There'll be small amounts of money coming in, and he signed his name and swore that that was true. And that's a, that's a, that's also a crime. So right. you know. Pick your poison here. <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know. laughs>
0: Do you think are, are like AT&T's lawyers sweating right now? Because they, you know, they paid what? To cl- they claim they were seeking insight into the incoming administration, I, right? Th-
1: well, here, here's something that uh, occurred to me about that, that there is a sort of shadow lobbying that happens a lot. It's, it shouldn't happen. It's It has been kind of, it's, it's just not considered illegal anymore. But say, um, you know, say, a very improbable, literally impossible event, I was elected president. So David, you know me. You have a relationship. You set up David Consulting, <laughs> right? And to kind yeah. of, you know, insights on Josh's thinking and what Josh's policy ideas. If you set up a company and you hire some researchers and you produce some reports and the people who hire you, well, we met on these dates and I discussed Josh's thinking and blah, 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 blah. Then you, then like a federal prosecutor says, okay, like doesn't look great but you were providing information and there's kind of stuff there where you can say i was a consultant right i was providing information now did michael cohen go through those motions to actually do anything like consulting i doubt it right and that makes it a lot more vulnerable and you know
2: and avenatti's pointed out we don't we have the incoming wires we don't have the outgoing wires you know (laughs) <laughs> There's all that. Where did you know did this money go to Stormy Daniels and other Stormy Daniels, or was it going to companies? Was it going to individuals? Was it going out of the country? We we just don't know anything. And you know that, that, that's another. And you know we haven't talked about this, but in addition to the AT and T and Novartis, and there are these like
0: foreign companies. Right, like the Korean aerospace, right? And- you know, there's foreign,
2: co- there, there's foreign company. You know, that's that to me. So, is he a is he a foreign agent? You know, should he be lobbying on or registering on the, the Korean
1: foreign- aerospace thing is weird. Yeah, I mean, that's very, that's highly problematic. Um, I would say, I would certainly think. I mean, I doubt anybody from AT and is going to go to jail over this, but I certainly would think a federal prosecutor would sit down with AT and T and say, like, look. What did you think was happening here? It doesn't you know you would they would have some uh, I think a federal prosecutor would have some leverage that that they knew it wasn't a totally kosher thing right even for even for the for the payers on that side
2: well this this gets into an interesting issue as well. so Novartis, I don't know if you saw this I saw this earlier today that Novartis said. Yeah, we gave Cohen money for I forget which
1: excuse it was—the real estate, inv- was like, which I, oh, I yeah. think no, like Obamacare basically, oh, healthcare, yeah, yeah. yeah healthcare. <laughs> exactly. That's one where he's a doctor. Yeah, yeah exactly.
2: So, uh, so they said that, but they also said that they were questioned by the special prosecutor, by Mueller's office about this, which is interesting to me because this Cohen investigation was kicked out to the Southern District in New York. So, uh, you know, what I'd like to see, uh, and I, I, you know, is is are there. Does this mean there are two separate investigations on Cohen? That there's a kind of run-of-the-mill criminal investigation and a, and a separate Russia one going on, or has has Mueller just found that there's no not, not enough to go on with Russia for Cohen and he kicked it? You know,
1: so that, yeah, we just we don't, we don't know, and right. that's that's a, that's a good. I mean, there's other things about the Novartis thing. They put out a statement now that it, it's a whole it's a whole other rabbit hole. But basically, if you take their statement at face value they paid Cohen $1.2 million, not $400,000, which means there's another $800,000 that's went to some other LLC or something like that. Um, In any case, the book is called Trump Russia, A Definitive History. It's by Seth Hatena. It is. It came out yesterday. I'm sure you can get it in bookstores all around. You can get it on – it's on Amazon and all the kind of the uh, Kindle-type books and all that kind of stuff. So I really recommend it. I learned a lot from it. Uh, Seth goes deeper into kind of all the things that we we discussed today. So I, I really uh, – you should you should grab it. It's really good. Let me uh, say a quick word here from our – remind you who our sponsor is. That is Grady's Cold Brew Ice Coffee, which, as I've said before – it's not only like our sponsor. I, I I have been addicted to this stuff for years. It's like a, it's like a, I need like an intervention. Um, get twenty percent off your first order at Grady'sColdBrew.com with promo code TPM. That's promo code TPM. So definitely check out Grady'sColdBrew.com. Seth, thank you so much for coming on. Oh, I really pleasure. appreciate it. I've I've learned a huge amount from your book, and I and I'm I'm. I'm excited to learn that you're still on the case and you're still you're still digging because there's clearly a ton more yeah, that we what? need to find out. And let me just say, I've been a fan of yours for a long well, time, thank you. too.
2: I, you know, you've been doing this for a long time and, you know... It, you've been doing some great work for a long thank
1: time. you thank you so much well thank you for joining us uh get the book uh be sure to subscribe to our podcast david we also want to mention we have this new facebook yes we group.
0: started a facebook group about the podcast it's on just search the josh marshall podcast we'll we'll let you in ask us questions let us know what you want us to talk about maybe guests you'd like us to bring on and and we'll see you there cool we'll talk to you next week thanks seth bye